and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Now, a myth is something that isn't true. A myth is a lie, basically. It's an untruth. It's talking about how the time's going to come when people are going to be wanting to listen to teachers and preachers that say what they want to hear instead of what's really true. Uh, this past week in the news, you probably read that uh, uh, the Western jurisdiction of the United Methodist Church elected a, uh, a lesbian bishop. That breaks our church law and that uh, uh, she should not even be a pastor right now. This entire jurisdiction has gone against that. And what's going on there is in our denomination, there is a uh, split in our church. And as you can see, it's not going to stay together much longer. We're just postponing the inevitable when it will split. And at the heart of what's going on is this very passage right here. There are people that are living in relativism and subjectivism. Relativism is whenever you decide that there's no real such thing as truth. All there is is what's going on right now. And, uh, and that's relative. No, no, no hard concrete truth. Everything is relative. Whatever people vote on, or even if they vote on it, that doesn't even matter. Just whatever you want to be true at the time, basically. And that goes right into the second part. And that is subjectivism, where the world revolves around you. You are the center of your universe. And what you feel and the way that you feel things should be, that's what matters since there's no real truth. And so uh, in that particular environment, uh, you wind up seeing all sorts of things happen that go contrary to the Christian faith. And yet there are those who want to uh, believe lies. And there are preachers who want to believe lies. And so we've come to the place where we are today. And what I, last week we talked about, uh, I guess you'd call it a partial truth. Not a partial truth. It was whether or not uh, Jesus really was serious when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And if that's so, if he was serious, is still, is it really true? And uh, a lot of people want to say today, oh, anyway, as long as you're sincere, that's what really matters. Anyway is the right way to God, as long as you're sincere. And we looked at the fact that that's a lie, that there are not many ways to God. The only way we come to God is through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and through what he did for us on the cross. Well, uh, that brings us to today. And there's another lie that people want to believe so badly, and they will look around to find teachers and preachers that will tell them this lie. And that, and that is the lie that God wants you happy. God wants you happy. 
that that's the bottom line is that the thing that what it's all about is the fact that God wants you to be happy and that God's uh, wanting you happy trumps everything else. That that's what really matters. In fact, you may have even heard uh, conversations like this where somebody comes up to uh, somebody and says, hey, how's it going? Well, it's going okay now. I said, really? It wasn't? I said, no. Had kind of a rough time. Went through a divorce. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Me and my wife, we just weren't happy. So we got a divorce. I said, well, are you happy now? Yeah. Well, that's what really matters. As long as you're happy, that's what really matters. That's a lie. Just you being happy is not what really matters. It's just not, well, let me, I'm going to, I'm going to remember, I, I shared with my family last night an incident that I recalled when I was uh, working uh, in the claims office. We had a lot of desks in one big sweatshop type of a situation. We outside adjusters would come in and make our calls at our desk. And then we would head out into the field and take care of stuff. And uh, my best friend said a couple of, uh, uh, desks over from me and I'm sitting there working on my stuff at my desk. All of a sudden I hear this, ah, and I look over and he just throws his head down on his desk and he says, oh, oh. And, uh, we went over. So what's going on? I said, this statement I just took, it's just incredible. There was a woman who, uh, well, I'll just tell you what she said. So I was taking her statement. She had rear ended some cars at a stop sign or a stop light. And here's her version of the story that he wound up with a recorded statement of this. You talk about a confession. She said, well, she was driving down 610 before it was completed. This is back in the uh, uh, early, early 70s. And there was a place over on the northwest side where you would come over an overpass before you got to the overpass it started saying freeway ends so many feet and so you go over this overpass at the bottom of the overpass there was a stoplight and uh, uh, so you can come around 610 you see this you're supposed to slow down well she said well I've been drinking and uh, it just felt so good coming down off that overpass and I saw the light was red and I saw there were cars that were stopped there, but it just felt so good. I just didn't want to stop. And so she didn't stop. She just plowed into about three cars up ahead of her because it just felt so good. This is kind of what we've come to today, folks. It's just what feels good to us at the moment. There's a passage or there's a scripture in the 14th uh, chapter of Proverbs that says there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And this is what we've come to, to where as we in our nation have pushed God out of the conversation and even in our churches are pushing his word out of uh, uh, our beliefs, we are winding up with only what we think and what we feel at the time. And this is what we wind up with. Uh, 
And, and so, and one of the biggest things that you'll hear is God wants me happy. And so many marriages fall apart because they're just not happy. Now, happiness is just a feeling. It's a good feeling, but that feeling is going to come and go just like a lot of other feelings, good and bad. And as you see, you cannot base your life on your feelings. Good feelings are uh, an indicator that things are going okay. Bad feelings are red lights on the dashboard saying, hey, you need to do something about this. There's something that needs to be done. But that doesn't necessarily mean sinning. You see, this is just it. There are times when God does not want you happy. He is your heavenly father and it's clear he loves you. He wants the best for you. He wants you to have the best possible life that you can have. Jesus said, the thief comes but to kill and to steal and to destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Have a good life. Have a life that's meaningful, that has a deep and abiding joy to it that you don't wind up with if you just follow your feelings. There are times when a loving parent who wants the best for his children is not going to give them everything that they want. And yet we've come to this place in our society where uh, because of relativism and subjectivism, God has been just kind of turned into by our society a uh, cosmic vending machine. You put your quarters in, you send up your prayers, and then you wait for what you ask for to come down the chute. And whenever it doesn't come, when you don't get what you told God you wanted, then what happens? Well, God wants me happy. And if this was going to make me happy and he didn't give it to me, then somehow God has failed. So God has failed me because I'm not happy. And uh, that's that's part of what comes of that. But like I say, there are lots of times when a loving parent says no. There are lots of times when a loving parent will prevent you. Like if you had a three-year-old that was eating cotton candy sitting in the bleachers and there was a bald-headed man sitting in front of him and he sees this cotton candy and he's seeing how it sticks to his fingers and uh, he says, I will put this cotton candy on his head. I think that'll look really cool, you know. Uh, would a parent say, yeah, do that. Would you, Jamie? No, you wouldn't, would you? Because it wouldn't be good for him. It wouldn't be good for you. And it wouldn't, I wasn't really picking on your kids. I just thought, okay. But uh, anyway, you see, the thing is, there are times whenever even a loving parent doesn't give his children what they want because the loving parent wants better for his children. And so this lie of that God wants you happy uh, winds up being something that is bringing our nation to just desolation. Let's face it.
Uh, I read an account yesterday of a woman whose father left her mother and her and her brother for another woman because his wife didn't make him happy and he found another woman that made him happy. And so uh, the other woman left her husband because these two made each other happy. And God, and they said, God wants us to be happy and we found each other. Well, you think God really wanted them to leave their families? What do you think about the other people? And this is what the woman that was telling the story was talking about. She said, you know, what did God think about us? Didn't God want us happy? Didn't God want my mother happy? Didn't God want my brother happy? If God just put him in such a place that his happiness was worth more than whatever happened to anybody else, something was just wrong with God. And what came of that is that uh, it affected them deeply. This man discovered after a while, that woman didn't make him happy anymore and he came home. Her mother took her husband back. She forgave him, but she could never really trust him the, uh, the way that she could before. The marriage was never what it was before after that. The woman said, it put me in a spot where I had a really hard time in relationships with men until I worked through some things with the Lord. And my little brother, whenever my father left, something just snapped in him. When he got, as he got older, he began to self-medicate and ultimately he overdosed on drugs and died, leaving a wife and two little children. You see, God is concerned about a lot more than just your happiness. He has bigger fish to fry than to just be concerned about just you being happy. You see, everything that you do puts out ripples in the world, and it's never just you being happy. And so if what's going to make you happy is going to hurt somebody else, don't think that God wants it. Now, let me back up and say that just because uh, this I use this marriage and somebody not being happy in a marriage as an example doesn't mean that there are times when it's not right for a marriage to be over. If a woman's husband is hurting her, is abusing her, is uh, uh, causing, uh, uh, is, is, is doing things like that, then something needs to be done. And uh there are things to be done at times like that. Sometimes the marriage is over. Sometimes it's not really a marriage. Let's face it anymore. So those things happen. But the thing is, there's so many people that they're basing it all just on their own self-gratification. That's what really matters to them. Uh, reminds me of a a Sunday school teacher that was teaching a lesson on the Ten Commandments, and uh, she, actually she was focusing in on family, and she said, uh, now, uh, what's the command? This is a commandment, uh, thou sh you know, honor the father and thy mother. She so said, this is about how God wants you to treat your parents. 
Is there, are there any commandments about your brother and your sister? And a little kid just shot his hand up and said, Thou shalt not kill. <laughs> the thing is, that's our feelings are not always things we need to follow up on, are they? Our feelings are not what are, should they be determining our lives. They are indicators and they can help you uh, prayerfully consider what should be done from that point on. But, uh, you know, somebody said that uh, happiness is like a visitor, a genial, exotic Aunt Tilly who turns up when you least expect her, orders an extravagant round of drinks and then disappears trailing a lingering scent of gardenias. You can't command her appearance. You can only appreciate her when she does show up. And you can't force happiness to happen, but you can make sure you are aware of it when it does. Happiness is going to come and happiness is going to go. And uh, let's face it, there are times when your happiness is not what God's really concerned about. Number one, two different things I want to bring up in particular. Uh, he doesn't, he's not, doesn't want you happy when it causes you to sin. There are so many people today that uh, are living in sin and saying they're doing it because it makes them happy and God wants them to be happy. And so it's okay. Uh, I hear that over and over again, all the time. And uh, the thing is, what does Paul say? He says, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Instead of uh, God blessing us in our sin, what does he say? Let's see. Uh, but just as he who called you is happy, so be happy in all you do. Is that the way that really reads? No. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. Not just on Sundays, not just on Sunday morning, but every day of the week, all that you do, all that you do. Conversations with your spouses, uh, transactions at work in all that you do. Be holy. Do it knowing that you're in the presence of the Lord. Well, he doesn't want you happy when it causes you to sin. I'm going to have to stop on that one. I would love to go on more, but it's also he doesn't want you happy whenever your circumstances are driving you. Whenever uh, it's just uh, the things around you, if you don't like the way things are, you know, just think about it right now, the shape that our country is in. I'm not happy with the shape our country is in. I'm very unhappy about that. But what do I do? Do I move or do I uh, uh, what, what, what am I called to do right now? I'm called to vote and I'm not called to vote what's going to make me happy. I'm called to vote in a godly and a holy way and be holy as he is holy. Even in our voting, we should be holy and we should vote for holiness in our country. Uh, in Ecclesiastes seven fourteen, it says, when times are good, be happy. When times are bad, consider 
God has made the one as well as the other. It's God that has really brought us to this time in our nation, people. This is a major point in our country. And which way we go is up to us. Whenever it's driven by circum, whenever we are wind up driven uh, by our circumstances, uh, we wind up making bad choices. Look at the prodigal son. I guess that's the, he's the poster child of all this. He had everything he needed. He was in a good spot and yet he wasn't what? Happy. That's right. He wasn't happy. And so what did he do? He said, forget you, dad. I just assume you be dead and me have your inheritance. Then you, I don't care about you. I just don't, I just want what I'm going to be getting out of you. Give me my part of the inheritance right now and I'll just be gone. And his loving father, let him have it and let him go. Before long, he wasn't happy anymore, was he? And that's just it. You see, many times uh, we head off pursuing happiness. But whenever we pursue happiness and not the Lord's will, we wind up being miserable. Paul wrote to the Philippians in the fourth chapter, the 12th to the 13th verses. Let's understand where he was at this point in time. He was in prison at that time, awaiting whether uh, whether he was going to be sentenced to death or not. Probably in that prison in Rome that Sharonai stood just outside of not long ago, not far from the Colosseum, where people were going to be soon marching to their deaths, singing hymns at peace with God, even in horrible circumstances. But in the midst of where Paul was, waiting to find out whether he was going to be executed or not, he wrote these words. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is like to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Wow. That's the setting. And those are the words Paul had learned. It wasn't his feelings that were tantamount, that were utmost. Many times you wind up being called upon to be uncomfortable for God. But you see, God wants you to be more than just happy. He wants you blessed, blessed. The Greek word is makarios. It means supremely blessed. It means more than happy. And what does it say? It says, blessed is the man. Here's who's blessed. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. We talked a couple of weeks ago about our nation, how we've lost a reverent awe of God. That's what fear the Lord means to be, have a, be under him, under your creator, knowing that one at the end of the day, you are going to be accountable to him. At the end of the day, you're going to stand before him. 
at the end of the day, you're going to have to give an account for what you've done with your life. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands, in knowing what the Lord wants to do and doing that, not in just deciding what's going to make you happy. And when it comes to the areas of sexuality, when it comes to the areas of money, when it comes to lots of different areas, we should delight in his commands, not in just what we want at the moment. We went through, when I first came here, we went through what makes you blessed, didn't we? In the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And then listen to what he says here. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Before I conclude, I want to share a study with you that kind of gives us a hint about all this. In this particular study, each person involved, and it was quite an extensive study at a university, they were asked to list 10 people they knew best and to label them as happy or not happy. Then they were to go through the list again and label each one as selfish or unselfish using the following definition of selfishness. A stable tendency to devote one's time and resources to one's own interests and welfare and unwillingness to inconvenience oneself for others. Basically, self-centeredness, right? Self-centeredness. Well, interestingly, what came of this is in categorizing the results, the uh, researcher discovered that all of the people labeled happy were also labeled unselfish. Isn't that amazing? Those who were pursuing happiness, basically, were the unhappiest in the lot. So you see, happiness is not something that you pursue and get. It's a byproduct, and it comes from something else. It can come somewhat from just practicing the golden rule, but it comes even more from practicing the great commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then Jesus said, what? The second is likened to it, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the bad news is, God doesn't want you happy all the time, no matter what your friends are saying, no matter what you've heard in different conversations. But the good news is, He wants you more than happy. He wants you blessed. Now, let me tell you some neat things about blessings. Sometimes God will bless you with a job where you make a ton of money. And that's from him. He will bless you with it. And what does he want you to do with it? Well, chances are 
He's probably going to want you to give like you haven't given ever before. And guess what? He will probably uh, love it if you even blow some of those blessings on yourself and enjoy it because it delights him to give good gifts to his children, it says. That's just the kind of God that he is. He's the God who gives wealth. He does. It's not a bad thing. Give more, enjoy more, save more, and give more again. It's from God. And God may bless you with healthy children. Enjoy them. It's how he might bless you. And God might bless you with conflict-free living for a while, where you'll just go without any problems. Enjoy it. Embrace it. But understand this as well. God may just bless you in another way. Instead of getting a higher paying job, God may bless you and allow you to lose your job. Why? So you can learn to trust in him like you never, ever have before. Or so that you can finally pay attention to your kids that you've been neglecting when you were supposed to be doing something for them, but weren't raising them. You were building a career, not a family. Or so that your marriage uh, that has been struggling uh, because you've been neglecting it can flourish because now you've got to pay attention. Well, God could bless you that way. God could bless you with healthy kids or God could bless you with a child with incredibly special needs. And you may experience the love of God through that child in ways that you never, ever thought of before. And God could bless you with conflict-free living for some time. Or God could bless you with conflict and trouble and persecution and, uh, and, uh, and those, uh, hating you because you love him. And let me tell you, I have discovered that enemies can be a blessing. It's your enemies that can help you to grow more than anybody else can. Because as people are finding fault with you, the first thing that you should do instead of just re- reacting is you should ask yourself, is it the truth? Because your friends many times will not tell you what's wrong with you, where your enemies are going to be taking up every flaw and magnifying it like it never has been before. And if you have people doing that to you, it causes you to examine yourself. And it causes you to examine yourself in the presence of God and to find out, okay, Lord, Do I need to do something about this? And if so, what? And so your enemies can help you find your growing edge. And I have been blessed with enemies through the years. And some of those enemies, as I have done and handled them the way that the Lord wanted me to, have become my best friends. Some of those who tried to destroy me asked me to preach their funeral. That's the way it should go. If you handle things the way that God wants you to, enemies can become friends or enemies can disappear. But you handle things the way God wants to, and they are blessings. Okay, Uh, 
and you're still blessed. But so as much as I'd like to tell you, come to the Lord and everything's going to be just songs and roses. You know, roses are just going to be, rose petals are just going to be spread along your path. I wish I could tell you that. The angels are just going to be singing and going along in front of you and clearing the way. I wish I could tell you that, but I can't. I can't. If I did that, I would be lying because sometimes that's just not true. But what I will tell you is this. In Psalm 37, 4, it says, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I've discovered that is true, but it takes delighting yourself in the Lord, even at those times when you're not happy. As you delight yourself in him, the word delight is the word anag, and uh, that word means to be made soft and pliable, and to just... uh uh, be there in his presence and know him and seek him and desire to please him because you love him because he loves you. But uh, it means to delight or enjoy. But here's what we don't do. We don't go to God for him to serve our desires to make us happy. We go to him as a servant to worship him in spirit and in truth. And as we enjoy him, as we delight in him, in the blessings that he is given us. I can remember times in my life when I had so much going wrong that sometimes it would only be in the dead of night as I lay there in bed that nothing was going wrong. And all of a sudden I realized, well, at least I've got right now, Lord. At least I've got right now. Sometimes there are just lulls in the storm and you enjoy the Lord in those times. So you'll have the strength to face the battle the next day. I found myself borrowing uh, trouble from the next day and uh, going through, well, he's going to say this and I'm going to do that. And then realize, but right now things are at rest. Things are at peace and I can enjoy this moment. I can have peace now. So the thing is, uh, we go to him as a servant. We enjoy him. We delight in him and what he does. He gives us his desires and they're no longer our desires. They become our desires. As you give yourself to him, he gives you the right desires and his, and then he loves to give to us. He loves to fulfill the desires of our heart. Once the desires of our heart are turned toward him. So how do you get there? Matthew six thirty three says, he says it this way, but seek ye first your happiness. Is that what he says? No. What's he say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's right. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added to you. So I've got good news for you. 
good news is God doesn't always want you happy. He's always got something much, much better for you than that. Let's pray. Father, as we bow before you at this time, we uh, ask that we would never pursue what we want, but would pursue you instead. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.